I have heard that there are four stages of life. <clears throat> when you believe in Santa Claus is the first. The second, when you don't believe in Santa Claus. The third, when you become Santa Claus. And the fourth, when you look like Santa Claus. <laughs> Get her on a laugh track, whoever that was back there. That was, you need to can that one. That was good. <clears throat> Well, we're getting an expression of it, but I want to talk to you about what all this uh, business is about, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. More of the story in Matthew 2 goes like this, after the wise men heard the king, they left. The star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. So the light of the world had a star, a light that led others to him. Verse 10, when the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. <clears throat> they came to the house where the child was and saw him with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their gifts and they gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So the question, why is Jesus the light of the world? Let me try to answer that this morning. The first thing I would say is he's the light of the world because he was sent to save us from the darkness. Matthew 4, verse 16, there's a scripture that is really um, being re-spoken. It's from Isaiah 9-2, and it's an exact quote from the Old Testament that was written hundreds of years to prophesy the coming of Christ, and it took place. But it's repeated again in the New Testament when it says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So let's talk about darkness for a moment because the light isn't uh, near as important unless we know what the light is dispelling. There's some characteristics of darkness. I, I find darkness is bad. I don't like it to be completely dark. Um, it causes a feeling of aloneness. I know that when I'm at home, I never really get nervous about things, but if my wife is gone one night and I turn the lights off, whenever she's gone and it's dark, all of a sudden I feel like, man, something bad could happen. I can be across the world somewhere in a hotel in, in a little bitty town or a big town and I'm not afraid of that, but when Karen's not there, I'm, I'm afraid because it's a familiar spot, but I feel alone. And, and I feel like, you know, you never know. It just feels different. And there's that feeling of vulnerability and aloneness that darkness brings. And we feel that in life, too. Darkness is a, is a space that puts us in a place where we can't see the obstacles. More than once, I have felt really confident walking through the darkness of, of the house uh, only to hit my shin and discover that there was an obstacle at a place that I did not expect it to be. Darkness can cause bruises, and it's true in life too, that if we wander in darkness, that, that we run into trouble in life. Darkness also uh, can hurt you. You can, you, can get, you can get hurt in major ways. I remember when my son Aaron was a freshman at Tualatin High School, we got a call and said, your, they said, your son has been, has been hurt and uh, you need to come. So, 
So when we saw him, he had this huge burn across his face like this. And we said, what, what happened? Well, they have an interior gym there with no windows. And the teacher was a little bit late. And the kids all started running in the darkness. And uh, I said, well, what happened to you? And he said, well, I, I was running full speed. I said, you were running full speed in the dark? <laughs> he said, yeah. And I said, and? And he said, there was a rope that was hanging from the ceiling, but it was hooked over here, and I didn't see it, and I caught it at my chin, and it just flipped me. So he had this huge rope burn on his face that stayed for a few weeks because running in the dark can cause some trouble. Well, you know, there are people who've been running in the dark in life, and it's fun, and everybody else is running, so we, we run, but when you run in the darkness, sometimes you get wounded, and you get hurt, and the darkness causes fear too, right? I'm just speaking of characteristics of darkness and this vulnerability in life that Jesus wants to rescue us from. The fear, you, you know, I think it's best described when we think of ourselves as children and, and, and the light going off in our room, right? Monsters, Inc., that, 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 that whole, whole thing. And I used to turn my light off when I was a little guy and there's always, to me, you know, it's not true, kids, but, I, you know, you think when you're little, there's someone under the bed there. So for me, I just made sure I was never close enough to the bed. I'd hit that light, and I'd run hard, and I'd jump in the darkness onto my bed as far away as I could. And most of the time, I hit the bed, but the scariest moments are when you don't, right? Because um, it's quite a script. I want to meet whoever that is afterwards there. I usually say I work alone, but I want that person working with me right there. But, you know, when are you okay when you hit that bed? You're not okay until you cover yourself, right, with, with, the, with the covers. And, and, and it's almost like slow motion, that run. It just takes so long, and you hit that phone, and then you're safe when you get covered, right? Fear, hurt vulnerability, aloneness. These are things that explain darkness. Sometimes the hurt comes from others in life, that dark feeling we have. Other people have hurt us. Sometimes it's, it's our own fault because we made some serious mistakes. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and I've come to dispel the darkness. John eight twelve. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. Luke 4 shows that Jesus came for those people who are most vulnerable, those people who feel alone, those people who uh, feel like life is overwhelming them. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said. Because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. The good news is that the light has come. That they can be delivered from the darkness. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus coming down was God the Father's favor coming to us. And no matter how hard your life has been, no matter how much darkness or the darkness has overwhelmed you, Jesus comes today with his light to shine it on your life. We've been forsaken by others. 
Death has taken one of our loved ones. Pain in life, difficulty that arises, and Jesus says, I'm here for you. But he didn't only come to take away a feeling. He came to take away our sin. And the second thought today is he came to show us the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He came to restore us to right relationship with God the Father. You know the story of Adam and Eve. God the Father created them. And they were in the garden and they had everything. They had want for nothing. And he just asked them not to do one thing and that's to eat of the forbidden fruit. And they sinned. And they did the thing he asked them not to. And here's the deal about sin. Sin separates us from God. God is so altogether holy that he cannot cohabitate with sin. And now it appears there's a dilemma. His creation that he loves has sinned against him. And they're separated from him. And God, in a supreme act of love, made a way where his creation, that's you and I, could come back in right relationship with him. You say, well, they sinned, but what about us? Here's what it says in Romans 3.23. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner saved by grace. All of us have sinned to the point where we can't come into the presence of the Lord because he's so altogether holy. And you know, sin brings pain, right? When we do wrong things, it hurts people around us and we hurt ourselves. That's why God doesn't like it. God is loving, it's true. But our definition of love doesn't include justice anymore. When you go to court and someone has really violated or wronged someone, you're hoping that the judge will bring justice, right? Well, God's not only completely loving, but part of that love is justice. Where wrong is righted. Where punishment is meted out, where it's appropriate. And now this dilemma is that we are the ones who deserve the punishment. And in a supreme act of love, this is what the light of the world is about. This is what it, it means that Jesus came to save us. In a supreme act of love, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, from heaven down to us to live as a man. You say, why only Jesus? Because he's the only plan of God the Father. You see, man had sinned against God, so man had to pay the price. The punishment for sin had to fall on man. So Jesus became man. Fully man, but, but the deity is not only was he fully man when he came as that baby, but he was fully God as well. And here's why it's so important, and here's why it can only be Jesus come from heaven, who, uh, impregnated by Mary by the Holy Spirit. Uh, she gives birth to this baby that is fully man and fully God. The other part of it is, the lamb had to be spotless. In the Old Testament, sin was appeased by an animal sacrifice. The blood was shed, but it had to be shed over and over again. It didn't pay the price once for all. The punishment fell on the animal so it would not fall on the people. That's the way it worked. So Jesus became fully man that he might pay the price, but he became fully God that he might be the perfect lamb. They wouldn't let you bring a lamb to slay to be the sacrifice in the Old Testament unless it was without blemish. It had to be a perfect animal. You couldn't bring something crippled or, 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 or something stunted in any way. It had to be a perfect lamb. 
Jesus was fully man to pay the price and fully God to become the perfect lamb. He's the only human being that ever walked this earth and never sinned. Fully man to pay the price. Fully God, the perfect sacrifice. You can't separate Christmas from the cross. You can't separate the cradle of Jesus from the cross of Jesus. Because Jesus came to live 33 lives, 33 years of life rather, without sin. And then he went to that cross and he willfully, deliberately, purposefully shed his blood to become a ransom for us. He stood in my place. My sin has been forgiven because Jesus forgave me. And your sin can be forgiven. All you have to do is come to him and say, Jesus, I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going to follow you. Isaiah 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all. That's what was happening on the cross. It was our iniquity that was upon him. It was our sin. And Jesus said, I'll pay the price. And God the Father let justice fall on his son that day. But he raised him on the third day from the dead. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. This is what the Bible says. And he's asking the Father to forgive you and I. And he's reminding him, I paid the price. Father, they can come. He's our intercessor. God the Father knows you. God the Father wants to draw you to himself. God the Father sent Jesus the Son so that you and I might be forgiven. One of my favorite verses because it so encapsulizes the gospel, the message of the good news to all of us. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, it's very important that we understand this. Next point. You're not saved to just a better life on this earth. That's not really the crux of it all. I believe that the best life you can live on this earth is a life with Jesus in your heart leading you and guiding you as your Savior. The scriptures to show you safety and blessing as you follow in obedience to God's way. Your family's blessed. And I believe you can have a better life because you follow Jesus on earth. But that's not really what the best thing is. That's not really what it's all about when it comes to the gospel. What are we saved from? The Bible tells us that there's a place called heaven. That God would draw all those to him that would believe in Jesus Christ, his son, and follow him. But the Bible talks about a place called hell, too. It's a place of eternal punishment. And some people say, well, I don't believe in hell. What I find interesting is those people believe in heaven that don't believe in hell. And Jesus talked often about heaven, but he talked even more about hell than he did heaven. Jesus Christ, full of love. You say, well, God doesn't, my God wouldn't punish anybody. Listen, the whole point is God doesn't want anybody to be punished. That's why he sent his son and let the punishment fall on his son so it wouldn't fall on us who've sinned against a holy God. And all we have to do is recognize the love of God coming to us through Jesus Christ. And not only will we be saved and blessed in this life, but we get eternal life in heaven. And the Bible says this about heaven. There's no more pain. No more crying, no more tears, for the old order of things pass away and all becomes new. The light of the world, Jesus Christ, is there to light the city and we'll be blessed forevermore. I remember when I was young, they used to teach this story about Jesus coming back because we have these issues of, you know, it's life or death and when we die, I mean, there's, once you die, there's, there's not another chance. 
according to the Bible, there's not another chance. You have to accept his grace before you pass away. And then eternity is affected by that. Where am I going to go? If we come to Jesus, we're going to go to heaven. And they used to teach this, but it's not just death. There's this second coming of Jesus that's talked about in the Bible too. Someday, these things that seem unreal and unbelievable will happen someday. Someday, Jesus will come back to this earth and he'll snatch away the saints. They'll be carried away. And if you ever read in the paper about millions missing instantaneously and accidents everywhere, you'll know that that's what happened. And, and they used to teach this big time all the time when I was young. And I remember coming home from a high school basketball game. I lived in Dallas, Oregon, played for the Dragons there in high school. And they dropped me off on the way because my house was uh, not uh, on, on the way back from, uh, from Astoria where we played that night. And when they dropped me off, I walked up to my house at 11 p.m. And as I went in, the door was wide open. All the lights were off, and I flipped the switch, and it didn't work. And I said, Mom, Dad, no answer. And honest to goodness, I had this thought, oh, no, I missed it. What'd I do, you know? He's come, and I've been left behind. Well, then, we were out in the country where we lived, and, and I just wanted to make sure there were no bad guys in there. The burglar, right, who's come in and bound my parents. I had all these thoughts, and, and you know, bad things could happen. And I thought, well, I, I can't just sit here. I'm scared to death. I'll have to look through the whole house and make sure nobody's here. So I remember going into every room and I thought, well, if I'm really going to look, I have to look under the bed. So I was feeling under the bed and in the closets and I went through every room until I came to the very last room. And I looked under that bed and then there was one last closet left. And it was one that was about waist high and then up high like this. And I thought, well, a person could hide in there. And I thought, my heart raced. If anybody is here, they're in that closet because I've checked every other place. And I threw the door open, and through the moonlight, I saw this figure coming out like, like that. And I thought, it's a person. And I grabbed this thing, and I wrestled, and I had the ironing board. It literally <laughs> fell out in the moonlight. And I almost went to see Jesus at that moment because I had a heart attack. <laughs> well, we're going to die, or he's going to come back. But here's the deal. Either way... You can make sure, you can have God to help you dispel the darkness, forgive your, your sin, the, the hurt and pain that others have caused. He'll come in and he'll, he'll bring healing, but then you have eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ. Loved ones that have gone before that know Christ will see them again, the hope of heaven. So how do you do this? How do you come out of the darkness into the light? How do you receive Jesus into your life? Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. 